This is Chris Brooks. Thank you for listening to this edition of Equip. Be sure and subscribe for free so that you don't miss an episode. For more information, visit our website, equipradio.org. sitting in for the next few days as Chris gets some uh, very well-deserved time away and uh, grateful for you taking time to be with us today. We've got an important topic to talk about, restoring survivors of human trafficking, specifically those who have experienced sexual exploitation. We'll talk about that coming up in just a moment. I do want to take a moment here at the beginning of the program Uh, to not lose sight of some of the things going on in our world and take a moment to remind us all to be praying for the folks of Lewiston, Maine, where there was a massive shooting last night at two different locations in Maine. Still so much going on there, so much activity, but uh, pray for the families impacted there. Pray for first responders, for the people at the hospital who have been engaged in the work, certainly for law enforcement and others. Encourage you to be praying for that situation Uh, as you uh, put your prayer list together for this week. And I know uh, prayer lists are probably pretty full right now. The other, of course, all that's going on in the Middle East, uh, certainly we should be praying for the peace of Jerusalem, as the Bible talks about. But there are so many other elements that we can be praying for, praying for leadership in in the kind of decisions they're making, praying for those on the ground, both in Israel and in Gaza, praying for the innocents, for sure, that they would be protected, that the Lord would be with them. Pray that the church, both in Gaza and in Israel and other parts of the Middle East, people in the church will be found faithful during these stressful and difficult times, that they might be able to provide answers that others can't right now. So many elements to be praying for. And I just wanted to start today by encouraging you to make sure that prayer list is full and there's plenty today to be praying for. So thank you for taking a moment to do that and for giving me the freedom to do that as well. So great to be with you today and I'm very excited to have this conversation. Our guest is Simone Halpin. She is the executive director and co-founder of Naomi's House. Naomi's House began in 2016 after years of preparing and researching the best way to serve survivors, survivors rather, of commercial sexual exploitation. It's a ministry rooted in the gospel of Jesus Christ and committed to the full mental, emotional, and spiritual healing of each one of these people who have come out of that activity. And uh, we're going to learn a lot about it today. I'm thrilled to uh, be able to welcome Simone to Equipped. Had a chance for a number of years to work with uh, Simone at Moody uh, Bible Institute, and then she moved on to do some work at uh, uh, Moody Church. But uh, Simone, always great to talk to you. Thanks so much for your time today. Colin, hi. It's hey. great to talk to you, my friend. <laughs> you too. Thanks so much for being with us. I, I want to go back to the beginning of this. I know Uh, because we've talked before that you never thought that your kind of life's work, at least at this point of your life, was going to be focusing on people coming out of sexual exploitation. Talk for a moment about kind of your trajectory of life as you were studying uh, in college and and Mm -hmm. studying beyond that, and how in the world did you get to this place? Yeah, such a good question, which I just love to reflect on because it's it's just a testimony of God's faithfulness and 
Um, as you've already noted, I was in grad school at Moody Bible Institute, probably when you and I first met and finished uh, my degree there in biblical studies um, and transitioned to work part-time for the Moody Church as the director of women's care. And this was almost 15 years ago, if you can believe it. Um, and that position and that role at Moody really lent me the opportunity to do um, outreach with women throughout our city, throughout Chicago. And there was just a momentum at the Moody Church at that time, which I still think exists today, that really um, people really cared about putting their faith into action and just taking the gospel that had changed our lives and sharing it with um, people who were hurting and suffering on the very literal doorstep of the Moody Church. And so it was through that experience that I learned of um, women who were being sold into the into human trafficking, and they were being sold for their bodies, um, and they were be, they were being controlled by traffickers. And um, Colin, I had no idea that it was so local and that it was prevalent and um, such a huge gap um, for women who were suffering from sexual exploitation right here in our city of Chicago. Uh, one of the things I want to try to stress as we talk today is the fact that it's not just happening in Chicago. And you may have some figures, which I'd love for you to share as well. But this literally is happening all over the country. It's sometimes tied to uh, big events like a Super Bowl, things like that. But but very often it's just happening in your neighborhoods, in your hometowns, big or small. This kind of activity is happening on a regular basis. Yeah, that's right. And you know, the very first woman we served at Naomi's house uh, coming up this December will be our seventh year of serving survivors. Um, and it was a dramatic, you know, entry into um, serving survivors at a residential home. Um, a woman was on a bus she took from a mental health um, program that she was in and took a bus from North Dakota. And when she arrived in North Dakota, a, from North Dakota, a volunteer picked her up from the city and drove her to the residential home that we have out in uh, the suburb of West Chicago. And I shared that story with you because it was so, um, it, was the, it was an example of what almost God was saying the next several, you know, hopefully long term of this program will look like in the sense that um, it's not just for the women in Chicago, it's for women all over the country. And our very first resident from North Dakota, I, I had no idea that that would be, um, that there was an issue, first of all, in North Dakota, but that she would be our first resident um, when we opened seven years ago. And so that was just a taste of what it looks like where today our residential program can have eight women at one time and about half of our residents that we serve come from the Chicagoland area and the other half come from all over the country. Yeah. Uh, so much I want to cover related to your story and the story of Naomi's house. Let me go back to your story for a moment. What what was the moment or was there a moment where you first realized this was something that you were going to be face to face with and mm -hmm. needed some uh, type of ministry or some type of help or needed to take it to the next level? Yeah, absolutely. There was a moment. Um, so I was doing street outreach with another organization in the city where we would work, we would um, offer prayer and, and you know, gift bags to women who were selling their bodies on street corners um, in the middle of the night. And there was a group of women from Moody Church that, um, that would come with me on a regular basis. And it was just a, a very small step into this world. What can we do 
um, that we know will be powerful and effective to working with women who are being trafficked. And so we started with prayer and, and resources, tangible resources. And after several times of doing street outreach, there was a moment where I was having a conversation with a woman and usually Colin, women would not turn away the opportunity for prayer. They were desperate for someone to look them in the eye and give them dignity and you know, say something along the lines of, we see you, God sees you, God loves you, you're not alone, when really she would feel all alone. And she was just constantly having to battle um, just the evil of, of trafficking. And there was a woman I approached um, who we had made eye contact and she was um, looking as if she was interested in praying with me. And as soon as we started to engage in a conversation, a, a driver, a car pulled up and it was a buyer who was soliciting sex. He wanted to negotiate with her and, um, you know, book an appointment, so to speak. And um, in that moment, I realized I was, it was like me versus evil. It, that, that, that's what it felt like in that moment. Mm. And she is speaking to this man through a window of his, in his car and she opens the door as if she's going to proceed and she has to go off with him. And I like lunged toward her. I didn't touch her, but my body just reacted to, no, you don't have to do this. And she just turned around and looked at me um, just with hardened eyes and just this feeling of desperation that just was written all over her face. And without saying a word, she communicated so much to me. And that was, yes, I do. I have no other option. This is my life. I'm controlled by somebody else who's demanding that I make money. And this is the only way that I can do it. Mm. And she got in that car and she drove off and I stood there feeling so helpless for her because I had, I had imagined what was going to happen to her in the next 30 minutes and the abuse she would suffer. And then she'd have to turn around, Colin, and do it again and again mm. and again throughout the night. Um, and that was a, that was a life changing moment for me where I realized this is not okay. <laughs> this is, this is not okay. And I've seen too much. I know too much. And I work for a church in the city that got behind me who said, let's do something about this. And so that was really one of the most powerful pivotal moments in my testimony of how Naomi's house got started. That's a powerful story, and uh, I think everybody can picture just that moment in their mind as they they process through what you were going through. I know part of the process, which maybe we can start now and then pick up on the other side of the break, but I know there was a lot, and I mentioned it in in our opening, there was a lot of research and time spent Mm -hmm. digging into this because you don't just— you don't just open a home for people mm-hmm. coming out of this situation and mm-hmm. and start inviting people in. Uh, talk, uh, begin to talk a bit yeah. about what it took to to even put the plan together. Sure. So, uh, outreach was happening on a, a fairly regular basis, and that was just the that was like the fuel. Like the more the group of women I was with, the more we spent time with women and were holding their hands and looking into their eyes. It that that desire grew and grew. We cannot not do anything was, was how we felt. And so slowly, um, we started getting calls from the FBI and other, um, agencies that were helping survivors asking for resources. And I would put, I would literally put something on Facebook and say, somebody, a woman that we're working with needs, you know, child, she needs clothes and a stroller and a car seat. And the response Colin, would be overwhelming. People would jump on that. I'm collecting things at my house or people are dropping things off at Moody church. And it just organically started to take shape. Um, and then there came another moment as there 
usually are when there's these stories where God's doing big things. And um, I was challenged by a woman who runs an organization in Atlanta who came to me after a couple of years of, of what we were doing up to, the, up to this point. And she said, Simone, you need to do in Chicago what we're doing in Atlanta. Uh, and I will walk you through every step of this journey. Um, and so that was kind of the last push that I needed to then go to Moody Church and go to the elders and ask for permission to um, ask for their support to um, launch a residential program. And so when they said yes, um, that's when the research and the, um, the attempt to raise the support and buy the house really, really launched. Well, we're going to talk more about that when we come back in just a moment, learn more about the process of, of learning, researching, and then getting this house put together. And what's been happening since, seven years down the road, Naomi's house, restoring survivors of human trafficking. We're talking about that today. Our guest is Simone Halpin. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. You can participate with us by calling 877-548-3675. That's 877-548-3675. Again, we'd love to hear from you. A question or comment would appreciate you being a part. You can learn more about our guest today and uh, all the things going on with her ministry by going to our website, equippedradio.org. That's equippedradio.org. Again, the number 877-548-3675. Back with more with Simone Halpin and Naomi's House coming up in just a moment right here on Equipped with Chris Brooks. Wisdom often comes with age, but even young people can learn how to walk wisely. I want all of us to learn godly wisdom and discernment. That's why I've chosen K.A. Ellis's book, Wisdom's Call, as our gift when you support Equip this month. It's an easy read of 100 meditations that will help you cultivate a life of wisdom in Christ. Request your copy with a gift of any amount to Equip. Simply call 888-644-4144 or visit EquippedRadio.org. Welcome back to Equipped with Chris Brooks. I'm Colin Lambert sitting in for Chris for the next couple of days. Uh, Chris taking some well-deserved time off. Uh, Great to be with you today. Our topic is the story that built Naomi's house and restoring survivors of sexual exploitation. Our guest is Simone Halpin. She is the executive director of Naomi's House. And just before the break, we were talking about uh, what it has taken uh, for them and their ministry to get up and going with this house for really a, a respite, a place of recovery for these women that have been involved in this situation. And Simone, I just want to go pick up right back where we were. Uh, by the way, the phone number 877-548-3675 if you have a question or comment for Simone. Uh, you were talking about this process of kind of uh, being urged by the lady in, in Atlanta to get this going. Obviously, even then, though, there are things you have to do in your own community to prepare for something like this. Talk a bit more about what it took uh, as a as a local church to begin to work through this process to get to the point of actually having a place that could house people. Uh, I'm so glad you're asking these questions because it's it's a it's inspiring and fun to look back and see how God really did orchestrate all of this. Um, and you you're so right, Colin. It did take a team. 
Um, and so that was, that was one of the first things we did was assemble a team of people. Um, the co-founder and I, uh, Mary Lohman, I, I know you know the name. Yes. I know she's a friend to Moody Radio. Um, she and I were the, the two who really launched into this. And um, we assembled a group of other women who were interested, men and women, who were interested in what does it take to build an organization and how are, how are we going to provide programming um, that makes a, a, an eternal difference in the women that we were serving. Um, so we went into partnership, I should say, with the group in Atlanta, led by Mary Frances Boley, another friend of Moody Radio. Mm-hmm. Um, and Wellspring Living is the name of her ex- organization. And so we went into a formal mentoring and consulting partnership with them, assembled a team throughout the Moody Church and a few others. Um, and between working really hard and studying (laughs) what it takes to look, uh, what it, what it takes to implement programming for survivors of sex trafficking. And then on the other, the flip side of that coin is we, um, we were faithful in prayer. We knew that this was, um, something bigger than I certainly was prepared to do or had the experience to do. Um, and we also knew that it would take an entire community um, beyond the walls of Moody Church to really launch this program. Um, Moody was incredibly supportive, still are to this day, um, of this vision. But they made it clear from the beginning that, number one, they, they weren't aware of programming and how to run a residential program for women who've suffered from sexual exploitation. That was out of their expertise, so I had to figure that part out. And they also said, we can't fund you. You know, we are a church, and our, our main... Uh, you know, calling obviously is to, is to running a church. And so we were also charged with fundraising and finding the support to not only purchase the house, which we did in 2015, um, but then run it, build a staff and run a program that would um, be effective and really allow women to heal from the trauma that they had um, experienced through sex trafficking. Before you started Naomi's house, quick question. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you have any idea how much space, if any, across uh, Chicago or the state of Illinois was available in a residential format for women coming out of sex trafficking? Yeah, zero. <laughs> there were zero beds for adult women who had been commercially sexually exploited. We were mm. the first to um, launch in the Chicago area, in the entire state. Um, to serve adult women specifically for sex trafficking. There were other organizations that had housing available um, for, that, were, that were similar, but um, what made us unique and still does to this day is that we will, we will only serve survivors of sex trafficking. It's a, such a unique, um, complex trauma that in order for women to have the best comprehensive care that will lead to sustainable and um, life change for for the long road, um, having a homogeneous population, meaning only serving survivors of sex trafficking under our program is was important. It still is important to us um, as a value. So that set us apart from the beginning. There was nobody doing what we're doing. And interestingly, over the seven years, there have been several organizations that have opened and either moved on to different locations or um, weren't able to secure the funding to keep going, um, which is devastating. We need as many organizations as possible to serve survivors mm. because mm. The, the need is so great. There are over 24,000 women who are exploited in Illinois 
every single year. Um, and to, to God's glory and his faithfulness to Naomi's house, we serve at, at least half of all of those who have been, who have been identified as sex trafficking survivors, um, which is only about 1% of that 24,000. Mm. Um, so this past year we served close to 200 women, which is, um, incredible. And we're so thankful, um, compared to seven years ago when we opened, we had only five beds available to serve survivors. So you can see the trajectory and how we've grown in seven years and what God has done um, in and through this organization. It's it's an incredible story. And I, I just want to go back for a moment, uh, capture people's minds for just a moment. Uh, as Simone answered that question, how many beds specifically for this need were available, not just in Chicago, but in the entire state of Illinois? The answer was zero. I mean, think about that for a moment. Zero uh, places of help for somebody going specifically through this who needs their life turned around. That's just an incredible uh, data point I want people mm-hmm. to grasp in this moment because, uh, you know, I was privileged to help a little bit. I, mm-hmm. I, I, I love Naomi's house because mm-hmm. uh, I was in radio there in Chicago and I was able to emcee a couple of events for you all as you were getting started. And I just uh, love what you all have done from the beginning. But uh, my engagement and, and we took it onto the air at Moody Radio mm-hmm. as part of it, but was driving home one afternoon. I heard a local uh, afternoon talk show, secular talk show, talking about human trafficking and what a problem it was. And they got to the end of their conversation and they offered no help. They offered no response other than, boy, what a terrible thing this is. And mm-hmm. I think it was the next day I went back to work at, at Moody and, and said, we got to do something about this. Yeah. You can't talk about this and then have no answers for this, you know, mm-hmm. and that helped us connect with Mary Francis, Francis Bowley and, mm-hmm. and ultimately with you all with Naomi's house. But uh, the need is just so great. You just said 24,000 women across Illinois and you're mm-hmm. able to touch 200, which is amazing. Uh, but but just also so many more uh, need this kind of help. Let, let's talk for a moment about Naomi's house. Uh, mm-hmm. It is physically a home. Talk for a moment about what you did to make this home a place where women could come into. And then we'll probably need to take a quick break and come back. And on the other side of that, we'll talk more about uh, the kind of services that you offer. Yeah, sure. So you're right. It's a beautiful home that you would drive past and not have any idea who's living in there, which is the exact purpose of keeping it safe and um, an actual home for the women who live there. And so um, it's settled up on like two and a half acres, kind of in a more rural place um, in DuPage County. Um, We have four bedrooms with two beds each, so we can have up to eight women at one time. Um, It's 24 hours staffed, and so we have women there who love Jesus and who have a heart for um, what it takes to slowly walk with someone um, who is regaining, who's putting her life back together again after it's been shattered through exploitation. Um, So our staff is there 24 hours a day, 
and Colin, something that we can touch on later if we have time, but one of the things I've learned about um, working with survivors is that you, you cannot have a conversation about what it takes to heal, and the house is one piece of what it takes to heal. They're, they're in a physical, safe location, and so that's important um, in terms of healing, um, but the other part to what it really takes to heal from such complex trauma is to talk and understand about what trauma does to the brain and to the body. And so everything we do, starting with the house and the way the, the bedrooms are laid out and the way the staff is interacting with women and the therapists that our women in the house see, all of it is intentional and all of it is what's called trauma-informed. And it's um, empowering women to be in a place so that their brains literally can start to heal um, because they've suffered from so much um, which has led them to the place where they need to live in Naomi's house for up to two years. So that's what the, that's what the house looks like. It's, um, it's a sanctuary. It's very special. Um, and it's filled with people, um, who care so deeply about each other. And we say all the time that, that healing happens in community. So it's important that, um, we have that communal feeling at all times and that, the women who live there, the journeys that they're on, they're intertwined with each other and they end up becoming each other's you know, biggest cheerleader as they um, support each other as they grow and make progress and then stumble and have some setbacks and then they grow again and stumble again. And it's just this like journey of um, just trying to put one foot in front of the other to heal. Yeah. It's a, it's a powerful story. We're going to come back with more of that. We'll talk a bit about the trauma faced. We'll talk about some of the specific services of Naomi's house. Uh, if you didn't catch it as Simone was talking about it, this is not a, an address we're going to put out there because uh, it is a safe space. Specifically, one of the biggest challenges is people come out of sex trafficking is that their traffickers try to locate them. And the idea is to have a uh, a location that nobody knows the the identification of the location and you keep people safe uh, because uh, nobody knows exactly where it is. So that's why she's being a little vague about where it is and that's what it is expected. We're talking about the story that built Naomi's house, restoring survivors of sexual exploitation. We'd love to hear from you. If you have a question or comment for Simone, this may be something you might be interested in in your community. I know they've got a lot of great information for you. We'd love to hear from you. 877-548-3675. That's 877-548-3675. Learn all about it at equippedradio.org. And we'll be back with more with Simone here on Equipped in just a moment. Stay with us. You know, we are constantly faced with choices between God and self, good and evil, peace and chaos. We can choose to live as fools or live in wisdom. Now more than ever, ourselves, our children, and the world need the wisdom that only God can give us. In her new book, author K.A. Ellis joyfully invites us to answer wisdom's call and live in God's life-giving beauty and power. We'd love to send you a copy of Wisdom's Call for your gift to equip this month. You can call 888-644-4144, 888-644-4144, or visit equippedradio.org. Colin Lambert sitting in for Chris Brooks today on Equipped. Our guest is Simone Halpin. She's the executive director of Naomi's House, and we're talking about the story that built Naomi's House, restoring survivors of sexual exploitation. 
Uh, if you'd like to get in on the conversation, we'd love to hear from you, 877-548-3675, 877-548-3675. You can call anytime. Simone, uh, just before the break, we were talking about uh, the process of getting this home together, building it, getting the staff in place. That was uh, about seven years ago, and the fact that you can uh, deal with eight women at a time. You've mentioned a couple of times the complex nature of the trauma that these women experience and much of the work that has to go into unraveling this web of of uh, challenge and trauma. Can you talk for a moment uh, about that trauma and about some of the things you all try to specifically do to get them back on their feet, so to speak? Sure, absolutely. You know, I, I just shared this story yesterday, Colin, maybe you even got it through our newsletter that goes out every couple of months. And um, I'm just amazed at how it resonated with so many people and the responses I got via email. So I'll just, it does a really good job describing what trauma looks like. There's a woman who's in our program right now and she's in her like mid to late twenties. Um, and she's just delightful. Do you know what I mean? Like she's the type of person that you talk to and she's just so kind. Mm. Um, so I just really enjoy spending time with her. I try to lead devotions at Naomi's house weekly, every Friday as my schedule allows. And, um, so that's how I've gotten to know her is through our short time of devotions. And she just lights up a room. Like she's just that type of person who's, who kind of sparkles. And, um, so I always look forward to seeing her. And there was a few weeks ago I came, I went to the house. I did my usual thing where I say hi to everybody and we sit down in the living room to start devotions. And she was curled up on a, uh, curled up like a, in a ball, um, fetal position, laying on the couch. And she barely, you know, uttered good morning. She just wasn't herself. And so I immediately thought, oh, she must be sick. Something's wrong. And um, she's fighting a cold or something. And the more we talked, um, the more I realized she was able to identify for herself. Um, it was her trauma taking over her body. And this is just a reminder to me of what happens when a woman moves into the program. It's, first of all, it's just a really courageous and brave step because she's leaving everything she knows behind her. And which, let me just throw this in here. 89% um, of women want to escape their trafficking situation. I mean, of course they do. 89% is probably not even accurate. It's probably higher. But research says it's 89% of women want to escape, but they know of no other options for survival. They, know, they don't know where else to go, and they don't know how else they're going to survive. Um, so this is an example of this woman who was so brave and left everything she knew to come to our program and really put her full trust into some like perfect strangers. So a few weeks into the program, it's, or a few months into the program, is when she really started, kind of like you alluded to, kind of peel back the onion, um, layers and layers of trauma that she had experienced her whole life. And the other really stunting um, statistic is that majority of the women we serve, it's over 90% of the women we serve in all of our programs, suffered childhood abuse of some mm. kind. Mm. Um, so we know the implica implications of what childhood abuse can do to our brains and our bodies and our spirits as we grow up without having adequate resources to address those circumstances. So here she is balled up on the couch and she starts to self-identify. Everything hurts. My joints hurt. My skin hurts. My stomach hurts. 
Um, she's, ir she's irritated by different noises and sounds and smells. Everything is being impacted by her trauma. And so as she moved into the program and slowly started to address um, very strategically, very methodically how to heal from this, basically you get cracked open before you start to heal. And she was in that phase where um, everything hurt because the trauma was manifesting itself throughout her body. And that's just one example of what trauma does is it takes, when it's uncared um, for, when it's unaddressed, it can take over your body. Um, and anyone who's experienced a traumatic event knows that a sound or a smell or, an, or just a memory can flash into your mind um, without any notice. And it, your brain is tricked into believing that that traumatic experience is happening all over again in real time. Um, and tr trauma memories are not filed away like a typical memory. So it just sits in the front part of your brain, the frontal lobe of your brain, and just sits there until it has the until it has the resources, until the body and the brain have the resources to file that memory away. And so what this woman was experiencing that morning was just this full-on like PTSD episode. Everything was reminding her of her trauma, and it was making her feel like she was experiencing it all over again in real time. Mm. So, so you, take an, you take a situation like that, um, she'd experienced so much trauma, and then you layer it on top of each other. And years of unaddressed trauma compounded into more and more and more. And that's every woman that we serve at Naomi's house. Um, the, the depth of despair and hopelessness that they feel because their bodies have tricked them into believing that there's no hope for them. There's no future for them. And they are stuck in this, what's called the fight or flight stage at all times. They're hypervigilant, wondering if somebody is unsafe in their presence. Mm -hmm. And that is what trauma survivors experience day in and day out. So that's a long way of saying what we do, everything we do, whether it's at a residential program or the other programs that we now have, is to give women the, the tools to heal from those traumatic experiences. And um, Colin, you will not be surprised to hear this, but Jesus addresses trauma all throughout the Gospels. And so it yeah. is not a stretch at all to sit with women and go through some stories biblically of how Jesus met with so many people and, and, and addressed their trauma without them even knowing it. Yeah. Um, and that in and of itself is, brings the ultimate healing. So women like this one I'm describing to you right now and so many others are so receptive and responsive to the good news that there's hope for them, there's a relationship with Jesus available to them, and that um, their bodies can heal from what they've experienced. And that one of the things that we, we know when someone is starting to make progress is that she starts to think about her future again. Because yeah. Trauma keeps us locked in the past. But when that starts to heal, you, you hear women talk about their futures again and dream about what life could look like for them. And then we know we're starting to make progress, which is yeah. obviously the most beautiful and exciting part of what we get to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Powerful. Uh, 877-548-3675 is our number. 877-548-3675. Let's go to the phones. Sherry, you're in Westmont. Thanks for calling today. What's your question or comment? Hi, Simone. Um, I minister to women in the jail, but I've, I've been having a desire to help 
this sex trafficking thing has been really on my heart, and I'd like to know how I can minister to women in that area, like um, how I can get involved. And um, right now I actually do have one girl in my life that I'm, she's under exactly the trauma that you just explained. She's got mm-hmm. pain in her body, but mm-hmm. I, I'm just kind of mentoring her on a one-on-one, but I'd, I'd like to get involved and I don't know how to go about mm. this. Let me, uh, Sherry, thank you for that call. And let me just, uh, let me just say, maybe even broaden it out a little beyond Sherry's question to hopefully it'll answer mm-hmm. hers as well. But where, where do you begin to get, information about helping people going through this, whether you're wanting to start something in your own community or like Sherry, you're starting a process of a relationship. Are there resources available? Oh, for sure. Um, First, I would say calling. Go to our website. (laughs) We've got lots of resources, naomishouse.org. Lots of what, lots of resources available, and you already touched on it, Colin. The fact that Sherry has a relationship with this woman is going to probably be the most powerful resource that woman will have in her life. Someone who is just walking with her, loving her unconditionally, and showing up. That is the first and most important thing you can do for someone who's um, experienced such trauma, and especially if it's from the hands of a trafficker. Um, I love that you're in the jail, Sherry. I think that's so intentional. And we, we also serve women. We have groups at DuPage County Jail. Um, and regularly, um, we find that majority of the women who are serving time at DuPage County have been exploited. There is such a um, connection between the vulnerabilities that um, lead to women committing crimes and the connection to their uh, trafficking history. So you are probably ministering to women who have been exploited that you don't even know. And they might not have the words to describe it either, which I find really interesting. Um, A lot of women don't identify as survivors of sex trafficking because it was a way in which they grew up or it was cultural to them or um, they've they've been abused for so long that they don't know what a life without abuse looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, and so using labels like victims of sex trafficking or commercial sex, sexual exploitation, um, those are words and, and thoughts that they don't put onto themselves. Um, but as you, like Sherry's doing and what we do at DuPage County Jail, as you spend more time with women and give them the language to help um, understand what had been done to them and that it's not okay on any level and that there is hope for them, they start to regain agency again over their own lives thinking this was not okay and I'm not going yeah. back to that. Yeah. Uh, Sherry, thanks so much for your call. And again, naomishouse.org. We will link you there from our website, equippedradio.org, or our Facebook page, Equipped Radio. We'll find it all there. And uh, I know that they would be glad to share any information they have with you. Sherry, thanks for your call. Uh, We're going to take a quick break, come back with uh, more of your calls and a little bit more about what's going on at Naomi's house and maybe a story of of somebody that has been through Naomi's house that uh, Simone would like to share here in a few minutes as well. 877-548-3675 is our number, 877-548-3675. Again, all of the information about Simone and about Naomi's house is at our website, equippedradio.org, or on our Facebook page, at Equipped Radio. And we'll come back with Simone. We'll uh, take more of your calls and we'll uh, find out about what Naomi's house is doing today and maybe what they'd like to do in the days, weeks, and months ahead. 
You're listening to Equipped with Chris Brooks. I'm Colin Lambert sitting in for Chris. So grateful to have you with us today. 877-548-3675. 877-548-3675. Equippedradio.org. Back with more with Simone in just a moment. Friends, I want to invite you to our next Equip Resume webinar coming up on Thursday, November 16th, right after the program. You know, many of us have faced pain and disappointment from other Christians and even church leaders. It's a unique problem that requires spiritual wisdom to remedy. That's why this webinar will focus on recovering from church hurt. We'll discuss how to restore our hearts and how to reconnect with a loving body of believers. Equippers, look for an email with registration details for this free interactive webinar. Not an equipper, become a monthly partner by calling 888-644-4144 or online at equipradio.org. Welcome back to Equipped with Chris Brooks. Colin Lambert sitting in for Chris today. Again, so grateful for your presence as well. 877-548-3675, 877-548-3675. We're talking with Simone Halpin. She's the executive director of Naomi's House in the Chicagoland area. And uh, it is a, a, a residential home that specifically deals with helping pull women out of uh, the sexual exploitation that many of them have been in for years. And I want to go back to the phones, try to get in a couple of more calls here if we can. Uh, John, you're listening in St. Charles to WMBI. Thanks for calling today. Your question or comment? Uh, I'm a physician and I do medical missions in Moldova, which is the source, one of the main sources of Eastern European sex trafficking to the U.S. And I work with a church there and they try to convince the girls not to do it, not to get involved. But once they do, they pay them a lot of money, give them first-class tickets to get over here. There is no job except for sex trafficking. And if they quit, they kill their family, mm. anybody related to them, over in Eastern Europe. And it's very difficult to get them to quit in the first place. I just wonder if she has any experience with this or any answers or how they get get involved in the first place. Wow. Simone? Yeah. So... We serve women who are local throughout the U.S., um, just to make that distinction. Um, I also like to just point that out, that there's a, a huge need just in, you know, the Chicagoland area and beyond. Um, I know that international trafficking is also a crisis. Uh, it's just not our specialty. So we focus um, on women who are throughout the U.S., um, and what you're describing, John, is not dissimilar to what we experience um, with women in that it's difficult for them to, to walk away from the life that they've been in, the life that they know. And there's a number of reasons for that. They've experienced um, all kinds of childhood traumas and vulnerabilities, things that make them susceptible to the grooming that happens with traffickers that make women feel um, as if they have no other choice. There's coercion, manipulation, violence. Um, there's a strong correlation between exploitation and substance abuse. Um, and so even if a woman wa wants to leave her trafficking situation, um, she still struggles with all the other vulnerabilities that come along with a very integrated web um, of vulnerabilities. So um, what, we, what we do and how we work with women is to address each one of those vulnerabilities. So I tell people all the time, 
we are an organization that works with survivors of human trafficking, of sex trafficking, but we address so much more than the exploitation. We're addressing her substance abuse, um, her lack of education that she might have been taken from, healthcare issues that she hasn't addressed, um, job training, mentoring, life skills. I mean, we, we cover everything. Um, because to truly heal from exploitation, it takes an entire comprehensive program. Um, and as you have already mentioned, Colin, just rooted in the gospel, because the hope that Jesus offers for survivors is the, is the best news um, that they hear and that they, that they cling to um, when they start to heal and, and, again, dream about their future. So I, I relate in some regard to what he's, what he's asking. Mm-hmm. Um, it can, it's more complex than that. I'm trying to give some high-level answers, but there's, sure. there's some clinical reasons as to why women also go back to and um, that's part of why trauma-informed therapy is such an integral part and in also what we do. Yeah. John, thank you for calling. Thank you for your work as well in this area and uh, helping those overseas. It is a bit of a different uh, uh, duck, if you will. But at the same time, uh, there are some similar circumstances. Hopefully uh, you can find some resources that are helpful. And speaking of resources, Bruce, I'm just going to try to answer quickly. You had asked if there was a book uh, that that Simone could recommend. I'm going to point you to their website uh, through ours, equippedradio.org, or our Facebook page, Equipped Radio. Go to naomi'shouse.org, and if nothing else, probably connect with them. They can probably get you what resources are available. Uh, I just want to, before we run out of time, Simone, I wanted to give you just a minute here, maybe a quick uh, story, uh, anecdote of of somebody that's been through your program uh, and how it has brought them hope and survival. Yeah. Colin, I wish I had all day. (laughs) The stories are the best part. Um, Talking about trafficking can feel so dark and heavy. Um, There's there's so many I could share, and I'll probably get in trouble for not listing all of them. Um, But the one that's coming to mind is a woman who um, was local. She grew up in the Elgin area. Um, She learned about us through outreach, which is so powerful to think about even to this day. And she came to Naomi's house literally without a voice. She had um, kind of hit the bottom of despair and her body was taking the toll. Um, she, she could whisper and that was about all you could get from her. And so when I first met her, I had to lean in and, and really focus on listening to her. And she was just so full of doubt, self-doubt that she could heal, self-doubt that she would get reunited with her family. She and I have daughters who are the same age, you know, teenage girls. So we related a lot on how hard it is to raise teenage daughters. Um, and she just, there was just something in her that we see in every woman we serve that just, she had a little tiny bit of fight left, um, but she was searching for it and she was really in despair. And so um, when we first met her, I, I wondered, you know, what is God going to do through her and in her? I just am, am hopeful and prayerful that um, she'll start to believe in herself again and, re- and, and, and restore the dignity that had been lost um, from years and decades of um, sexual exploitation. And so long story short, she goes through our program. She spends a little over a year and a half with us. And at her graduation, which has been now for almost a year ago, um, her daughter was there. And this teenage daughter of hers was so articulate, Colin, and to her mom's surprise, she got up in front of the whole room and she just shared, mom, I have you back. Um, Mm. And it's just a beautiful story of her family being restored and her own dignity being restored as well. 
Oh, it's incredible. We could go on all day. Simone Halpin with Naomi's House. You can learn more by going to our website, equippedradio.org, equippedradio.org. We'll connect you. They've got all kinds of resources and hope and help for you if you have any questions about that as well. Tomorrow on the program, we're going to be talking about praying through the cancer journey. Hope you'll join us for that. Colin Lambert sitting in today for Chris Brooks. Check it out, equippedradio.org or on Facebook at Equipped Radio.